Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Praise the Lord. Well, we've, been, we've been doing a series for eight or nine weeks now that we're calling Hearing God Speak, and we're going to kind of wrap that up today. We've been taking a lot of time in this series because it's, it's such an important topic. The people of God should know the voice of God. The children of God should, should, should know his voice. It shouldn't be a foreign or strange thing for a child of God to have their heavenly father speak to them specifically in a way that they understand through his word or, or through the Holy Spirit. That's something that God wants. You know, God, God rescued us. Amen? He rescued us by sending Jesus to die in our place, to, to pay the price for our sins. He did that to, to reconcile us. It's what the Bible says. We've been reconciled because we were separated from sin. We couldn't have relationship with God. We, we were separated and we were helpless, but God rescued us, reconciled us through Jesus. And as you read through the Bible, there's all kinds of beautiful pictures of the relationship, whether it's a master-servant relationship, whether it's a friend relationship, a father-child, a husband-wife, a, a, a sheep and a shepherd, all of those relationships that are depicted in our, our pictures of our relationship with the Lord, in every single one of them, communication is important in, in maintaining that relationship. God went through extreme, extreme lengths, great effort, a high price so that you could have relationship with him. And if communication is essential to a healthy relationship, and it is, then it doesn't make any sense that, that God would take those kinds of steps to create a relationship and then withdraw and not want to communicate with his, with his children. God, God wants to communicate with you. And we, we've been talking about this for, uh, again, eight or nine weeks. And as we talk about it, we've also been trying to, to cultivate, to stir up a hunger, a desire, to put into practice the things that we're talking about, the principles from the, from the Word of God. Because it's one thing to see them in God's Word, it's another thing to be doers of the Word of God. So we, we talked, I think, in the first week, we used the example of having keys. If you've ever found a random set of keys around the house and wondered, what in the world I've got the, what do these keys go to? You look at them and you rack your brain and then you just set them aside. You put them in the junk drawer. You put them back wherever you, you found them. And then it slips your mind and you might never think of them again. But the keys that you know what they go to, your car keys, your house keys, the keys to the office, those you keep track to, keep track of because you know the value they provide. You understand what they unlock. So it's important as we talk about the principles from God's word concerning hearing God speak, that we understand the value that will, will latch onto them and not just let them be a service that goes in one ear and out the other ear, but that will put them into practice. We started off talking about a, a verse that says that we are to incline our ear to hear incline our ear. That, that lets us know a couple of things. One, it presupposes that there is something for you to hear. If you're told to incline your ear in order to hear, then it assumes that God is speaking and that there's something available for you to hear if you'll do your, your part of the arrangement, and that's inclining your ear. So there's things necessary for us to do, a way that we live, a way that we position ourselves, things that we eliminate to hear what God is speaking. That if, if we're his children, if we're his servants, a, a servant 
stands little to no chance of serving his master well if he never really knows what his master wants him to do. It's important for a servant to know what his master wants in order to be a good servant. If he's just making assumptions, I'm just gonna do whatever I want and I assume it's okay with him, he's not gonna be a very, a very good servant. It's important that the people of God know how to hear the voice of God. Listen to what it says in Hosea. Hosea chapter four, verse six, this is a familiar passage. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's God speaking. My people are destroyed. The New Living says it like this. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Now, now notice, he doesn't say complete heathens are destroyed because they don't know me. God's, he's talking about his own people. The people of God, they, they are his people. He says, my people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge because they don't have real intimate fellowship. They're not walking close with me. I've just become a religious idea, a concept, just a, a, a vague reality that they're living under instead of having real relationship. Sometimes that's what it's like in the church, that even though people come to church, even though people have accepted Jesus, they still suffer harm and suffer lack and make themselves vulnerable to the enemy that even though they, they are technically the people of God, they don't really know him. They haven't inclined their ear to hear. There's not real fellowship and intimate relationship. My people, they are destroyed because there's not real intimate knowledge. Then on the other end of the spectrum, what's available, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That there is a strength that comes that allows people to live a life that its significance is much greater than just paying rent or paying the mortgage or getting the car paid off, a life of real impact, actually doing the things that God had in mind when he created you, when he dreamed about you, the plans he prepared in advance for you to do, a life of great exploits. But that strength and those exploits are rooted in what? The people who know who know their God, not just know about their God, not who are just familiar. So on one end, you have a lack of knowledge that results in destruction. But people who have real, genuine fellowship, they know their God. They'll be strong and they'll carry out great exploits. So today, as we, we wrap up this series, I wanna encourage you to take notes. It's gonna be a little bit of a hodgepodge of, of things that I wanna to communicate as we kind of conclude the series. Then we'll take communion and spend some time waiting on the Lord, spend some time in prayer. We just wanna communicate a couple of last ideas. I would encourage you strongly to always be someone who takes notes. Come prepared for God to speak to you because really what happens in a service is a picture of what it, what it can look like in your own quiet time. What we're doing, the way that we orchestrate a service, we are inclining our ears to hear. We take time to exalt God, to praise him, to become more aware of his presence, to get our hearts focused on him, to get our hearts soft and tender. And then we go to the word of God. We're inclining our ear to hear. So it makes sense if we're, we're positioning ourselves intentionally so that God can God can speak to us to be ready to write down what he says. That a notebook is like, it's like, a, it's like a net to catch the revelation, the, the things that God is saying to you. If you're gonna go, uh, go catch butterflies, but you don't have a net, it's kind of a exercise in futility. But your, your notebook serves like as a net to write those things down. So a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan spoke. 
I had my notebook. I'm writing things down. One, the, the revelation that he's sharing, because what he shared was good. It was valuable. So I was, I was writing notes down. But it's also an environment, a unique environment, where we're in the presence of God, and we've inclined our ear, that I'm getting revelation from what he's speaking, but I'm also writing stuff down that God's just speaking. You're not limited to whoever has the microphone. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. So you can get revelation from, from what's being ministered directly from, from the speaker, but also from the Holy Spirit because we have inclined our ear to hear. It's an atmosphere conducive for God to speak. So you need to be ready to write those things down. So I, I want to pray, and then I'll share a few kind of uh, last points before we, we pray and conclude this series. Father, we love you. Thank you again for your presence. Lord, we ask that you'd speak to us. Revelation and understanding. Flood our hearts with light so we can know you more. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Again, I ask you to bless us with eyes to see. Ears that are open and ready to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So a few last points. Ways to incline our ear. Ways to develop our ability to hear God speak. One. Don't be prejudiced concerning what you want to hear God say to you. Don't have a predetermined idea of what you want him to say when you've got a decision to make. Work to get your heart in a neutral position that whatever God instructs you when you're looking for leading or guiding, that you're just ready to obey his instruction and you don't, you don't already have your mind made up. It's difficult to hear from God when you've already determined the answer that you're willing to receive and an answer that you're not willing to receive. I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to somebody that already has made up in their mind where you're coming from when, when you're not coming from that angle. It's very difficult to try to get, they, they think they already know what you're going to say and it's hard, no, that, um, that's not what I'm saying. Would you just listen to me for a moment? It's, it's an exercise in frustration for the person communicating. So if you want to hear God speak, don't be prejudiced about what, what God, what you want him to say, what answers you're willing to accept and not accept. Let me give you an example from, Jeremiah chapter 42, if you have your Bible. Jeremiah chapter 42. Starting in verse one. It says, then all the military leaders, including Johanan, son of Korea, and Jezaniah, son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest approached Jeremiah the prophet. They said, please pray to the Lord your God for us. As you can see, we're only a tiny remnant compared to what we were before. Pray to the Lord your God that the Lord your God will show us what to do and where to go. We'll, we'll keep reading, but in context one, this is the Old Testament and they didn't have the access to the Holy Spirit that we do today. So when they were looking for direction, they would go to someone like Jeremiah who was anointed as a prophet and say, hey, will you check and see what, what should we do? Historical context, this is in Judah, after a lot of people have already been taken captive to Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. And so this is the remnant that was left in, in Jerusalem, in Judah, and they're wondering, what in the world should we do? A lot of people have already been carried away. Should we stay? Or specifically, they're wondering, should we go and hide in Egypt? Should we go down to Egypt, or should we stay here in Jerusalem? Verse 3, pray that the Lord your God would show us what to do and where to go. Verse 4, all right, Jeremiah replied, I will pray to the Lord your God as you have asked, and I will tell you everything he says. I will hide nothing from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord your God be a faithful witness against us. 
if we refuse to obey whatever he tells us to do, whether we like it or not, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you with our plea. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. So if we keep reading, Jeremiah takes the request before the Lord. He spends 10 days in prayer. He gets an answer and he comes back and he, and he reports to them. He says, okay, here's what God says. He says, you, you should stay put. If you stay in Jerusalem, he's going to take good care of you. God's going to watch over you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you. But if you go to Egypt, then everything you think you're running from, you're going to run right into it in Egypt. Disease and war and famine, everything you're trying to escape, that, that's what you're going to find if you go to Egypt. So he's telling them what he heard from the Lord. We'll pick it up down in verse 19. He says, listen, you remnant of Judah. The Lord has told you, do not go to Egypt. Don't forget this warning I have given you today, for you were not being honest when you sent me to pray to the Lord your God for you. You said, just tell us what the Lord our God says, and we will do it. And today I have told you exactly what he said, but you will not obey the Lord your God any better now than you have in the past. So you can be sure that you will die from war, famine, and disease in Egypt where you insist on going. Chapter 43, verse one, when Jeremiah had finished giving this message from the Lord their God to all the people, Azariah, son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, son of Korea, and all the other proud men said to Jeremiah, you lie, the Lord our God hasn't forbidden us to go to Egypt. And he continues on from there and they insist on going to Egypt. Now, earlier in that chapter, when they made the request, they said, hey, we know if we obey God, everything is going to go well. And they were right. It's just that they already had it made up in their mind. We're, we're going to Egypt. We're just going to check in and hopefully get God's seal of approval on the plans that we've already made. And then when Jeremiah comes with a word from God, because they're already prejudiced, they've already determined in their heart what they want to do, they don't hear God. When they, they receive a word, they dismiss it. Those are lies. You're, you're just making that up. That's not really what God wants. God wants us to do what we want to do. When you're looking for a word from the Lord, you've got to cultivate a desire so that your desire to be obedient is greater than any other desire that you have. If you allow your desire to marry that person, to take that job, to go with the promotion, to move your family, whatever it is, because it looks good in the natural, if you allow that desire to be greater than your desire to be obedient and to be in the perfect will of God, it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to really hear from the Lord because when you do, you'll dismiss it until it lines up with what, with what you want. Don't be prejudiced about what you want to hear from the Lord. The next one, another way to make sure you can hear God speak, withdraw from distractions. Withdraw from distractions. We live in a, a culture that is so busy and so hectic that this, this is going to take effort a lot of people don't hear the voice of God and don't recognize it because it's drowned out by so many other voices and so much commotion. There's always something going on and it's just another voice in the crowd. And obviously we wanna be so tuned into the voice of God that he can speak to you in the middle of a crowd. He can speak to you while you're at the mall or when you're at your workplace. But the way that we develop that ability is to spend time in isolation, really, really learning to hear the voice of God. You've got to eliminate distractions in order to hear God speak. 
think we've talked about before. People who run in the Special Olympics who are blind. And when the, the sprinters run, how they end up running the right direction and staying in their lane and crossing the finish line. At the finish line, all of their coaches will be, be lined up and they'll be yelling here, here, and clapping their hands. Here, here. And, and, and all those voices in the crowd cheering, they, they've got to have their ear tuned that they know the voice of their coach, that they're receiving. All of them are saying here, but they know the voice of their coach and it keeps them in line and running the race properly. But in order to develop that ability to pick out that voice in a crowd, they've got to spend time in isolation learning the voice of their coach. I don't know if you've ever been to Green Bank. Green Bank, West Virginia, where they've got uh, radio telescopes, great big satellite dishes pointed up into space, listening for who knows what up in space. If you've ever been there, it's in the absolute middle of nowhere, right? It's clear out. I mean, you've got to, I've been there several times. I still don't know where it is. I mean, it's like in the middle of nowhere. There, there, there's no cell phone signals there. There's no radio station. It's radio silent. You can't even have Wi-Fi in your house because they're so intent on hearing what, what they intend to hear, they've eliminated every other sound. They're, they're focused. They, they've eliminated distractions because they value that what they're listening for in space. That, that's a picture of what it should be like for a believer when we're tuning in to the voice of God. When you want to hear from God, you've got to be intentional about shutting out distractions. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, go into your closet and close the door behind you. Put, put yourself, isolate yourself. Spend time alone with the Lord. We, we could talk about a lot of different distractions. I'll just touch on one because I feel like it's a major distraction for people. People's cell phones keep them so distracted. Thank God for cell phones and they're, you know, they're wonderful tools and convenient and all of that. But they can also become a detriment in your, in your relationship with the Lord. Because you spend, you start praying, you're going to spend, uh, you know, a, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, just starting to focus. It takes a little while. It takes a while to kind of tune your heart to, to get in the spirit and begin to set your mind on the Lord and, and get in a position where you're going to hear his voice. You spend five minutes, personally, it, it takes me a while of praying in the spirit and just praising the Lord. Sometimes it can take me 15 minutes or so to start kind of honing in on the presence of God. But if you've got your, your phone that's buzzing every, every three minutes because someone's texting you or you've got every alert possible enabled on your phone, you don't want to miss a Facebook notification or a weather alert or a, a stock market update. I mean, it's just constantly buzzing. And then you start getting like phantom buzz. You, you're checking up. I thought I heard it buzz. I, I, guess, I guess not. You're running to your phone every couple of minutes. Just get put the thing aside or turn it off and tune your ear to the voice of God. Because every time you start tuning into the frequency of the Holy Spirit and you jump back into that, that it's like it keeps pulling you out of that mode and you, you, you never really make it past five minutes in. It's just the same five minutes over and over again. You've got to eliminate distractions. If you want to hear God speak, you've got to eliminate distractions. Just like in the natural. If you want to hear, we talked about it last week. It's a whisper, a gentle whisper. If you want to hear a whisper, you're going to have to push people away. You're going to have to get the room as quiet as possible to tune in on a still, small voice. And that's the way it is for a believer. Eliminate, eliminate distractions. Turn to Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. 
Verse 15 says this, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. Listen to this. In quietness, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. What's he recommending? He's recommending an environment of quietness and confidence, but the people refuse. The next few verses talk about how the people are just going to do their own thing. They're going to solve the problem their own way. They want to have their own head. They're going to have their own way about it. Skip down to verse 18. It says, therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. So it says that the people are just going to do their own thing. It recommends returning to the Lord and rest and quietness and confidence is their strength, but the people refuse. They're going to do their own thing, so the Lord will wait. And this is at their cry, at their cry, when he hears their cry, then they will hear him. Verse 21, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. It's talking about the ability to know the voice of God, to have God speak to you so you know what to do. This is the way. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. The ability to have God speak and be involved in your situation. Now, what is the context that he wants to get people to this point? What is the environment he recommends to be able to to hear God speak like this? In quietness, quietness and confidence. Two, Two key elements. Some people avoid quietness because they have no confidence that God will speak. Because they lack the confidence that God really wants to speak to them. They lack the confidence of believing, I can hear the voice of God. They avoid quietness. They keep commotion. They keep things going on. They keep the radio on. They avoid that solitary place with the Lord because there's a fear. There's a discomfort. They fear it's just going to be a waste of time. It's going to be this awkward moment where God doesn't speak. You need to have a confidence that you can hear the voice of God. You have the ability to hear God speak. You are, you are the Lord's sheep. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You can hear God speak. You've got to build that confidence. And the more confident you are, I am a man, I am a woman, I know the voice of God. Start talking like that. Build that faith till it becomes a reality. And the more confident you get, the more you will desire quiet time instead of avoiding quiet time. And quiet Quietness and confidence will be their strength. Again, Matthew chapter 6, enter that closet in prayer. Close the door behind you. We, we read it in verse 19. It says, he will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. Notice this, at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, when he hears it, what happens next? When God hears you, you'll hear him. So that's the next point. You'll hear the voice of God. You'll hear his voice when he hears your voice. Some people never hear the Lord speak because they don't have any communication. They don't value their prayer time. They don't spend time alone with the Lord talking to him. What's your prayer life look like? If your prayer life is lacking, you probably don't hear God speak to you very often. It says you'll hear him when he hears you. I'll give you another example of that. So again, Isaiah 30, verse 19, when he hears you, he will answer you. Luke chapter three is another example. 
Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. So the heavens open, the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus, a voice, he starts hearing the Father speak. What's the environment? What's the context that that initiated this? It says, while he was praying. When Jesus, Jesus started praying, and that's what initiated, the Spirit moves upon him, he starts to hear the, the voice of the Father speak to him. Well, Jesus started communicating first. You'll hear God speak when he hears you speak. Take your prayer time with the Lord seriously. If you want to hear, if you, you claim to value communication and fellowship with the Lord, then invest some time communicating and fellowshipping with the Lord. God has initiated relationship with us by sending Jesus. But you and I have to respond. In James it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You, you play a role. God's already initiated. It's like, it's like the balls in your court. How will you respond? Start talking to him. Show him that you value communication, that you, you value being able to talk with him by, by taking advantage of the avenue that he's opened up, that you can talk to him. God, you'll hear God speak when he hears, when he hears you speak. If it seems like God is silent in your life, don't, don't get discouraged. Again, we want to build. It's in confidence. Don't allow, it to get, don't allow yourself to get discouraged. Remind you of a, a verse I gave you as a memory verse in one of the first weeks of this series, Psalm 85, 8. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. I will hear. I will hear God speak. I'm going to hear what he speaks to me, for he will speak. He's going to speak peace. He's going to speak something good to me. To build that, to build that into your heart and your spirit, that you will hear God speak. And if God seems silent, don't get discouraged. There are some reasons to consider maybe why you're not hearing God speak. And I'll, I'll give you a few of them. Maybe, maybe you're on the right track. Maybe you're doing good. You don't, he doesn't need to say anything. You're, you just keep on doing what you're doing. Maybe he's not speaking because you, there's nothing he needs to say. You're doing well. Or maybe he's not speaking because you're being tested or it's a time of proving whether you'll be obedient to what he's told you before. It's a time of testing to see what, what he told you last, if you'll actually do it or not. You, you remember when you were in school and you took a test, usually the teacher was sitting at his or her desk quiet or walking around the room quiet. There's a time when they would teach. There's a time when they would talk. But when it came time for the test, they're quiet. Maybe he's quiet because it's a time of testing to see if what he taught you before, whether you'll actually carry it out or not. Maybe he's quiet because because you haven't done the last thing that he asked you to do. And it doesn't make sense to give you steps two and three in instruction when you still haven't obeyed step one. Maybe there's something you, you need to put into practice. Maybe he's speaking in a way that you haven't learned how to recognize. So it's good to go back and review some of the principles, the things that we've talked about over the last two months or so. Review those principles and see if there's some other way you need to learn how to incline your ear and learn how to hear God speak. Don't expect to hear God speak on issues that he's already addressed in his word. 
If you're waiting to hear God speak on God, should I be involved in a church or not? We already have that in his word. He's already given you the answer. It's what we've talked about. He speaks primarily first through his word. God, should I, should I leave my wife for that other lady? She's, you know, she seems way more attractive. She, you know, whatever excuses you feel like. If it's something silly like that, that God's already addressed in his word, he's going to remain silent on it because he's already spoken, spoken clearly. So those are some reasons why it might seem like God is silent in, in your life. When you doubt his leading, when you feel like maybe God's speaking to me, but I'm not sure, then ask God for a confirmation. The, the Bible says that things can be, should be confirmed in the mouths of two or three witnesses. So if you, you, you have a prompting, you feel like God's speaking to you about something, but you're not sure, you're still trying to discern it, you've got a verse, you're not sure if it's, it's something God wants you to, to act on, if it's specific to your situation, just go to the Lord. Say, God, I, I want to hear your voice. I, ask you, I, I feel like you're leading me to do this. I feel like this is what you're speaking to me about. Would you bring confirmation? You, you had a dream. I feel like God's speaking to me in this dream, but I'm not really sure. Well, ask God to confirm it. The next morning you're reading, and a, and a verse becomes like Pastor Jonathan talked about. It, bego- it moves from logos to rhema, and it lines up with that dream, and then someone else gives you, a, gives you a word, and it confirms it. Or you go to church, and something that's said in the church service lines right up, and it, it, it bears witness with your spirit. You ask God for confirmation. You know, confirmation is important for believers to be aware of and pay attention to. You know, if somebody gives you a word, they prophesy over you, say, the Lord wanted me to say this. It's not healthy just to accept that at face value. God, God wants that to be a confirmation. We talked about it, the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. Because people can say all kinds of crazy stuff to you. You're not supposed to just drink it in and accept it and say, well, they said, thus saith the Lord, so I guess I, I, guess I gotta do it. No, ask the Lord to, to, to confirm it or not. Maybe that person's just off. Maybe they missed it. Maybe you misunderstood it. So we want to pay attention to confirmation. When we talk about learning to hear God speak, there's there's mistakes people can make on either edge of the road. Some people believe, and we talked about this earlier in this series, that that God doesn't speak today, that he's spoken his word and he's not talking, he doesn't speak through the Holy Spirit, and if you think God's speaking to you, it's probably a demon or you're probably crazy or something, and that's a mistake on one end, that God is silent and he doesn't speak today. That's a mistake. But sometimes when we try to correct that, people pull out of that ditch and overcorrect and end up going into the ditch on the, on the other side of the road. And I know, I know pastors personally that won't even talk about hearing God speak or being led by the Holy Spirit because when you try to get people out of a ditch on one side, sometimes, sometimes people just start getting weird. They start getting weird when they, they start talking about being led by the Holy Spirit and, and hearing the voice of God and having words for people. So let me just give a, a couple of, of cautions, again, as we kind of are working to wrap up this series, some things to be cautious of as we want to be people who hear God speak, but we don't want to make a mistake and, and, and get weird and trivialize and, and make light of the voice of God either. Still with me? Does that, that make sense to you? Just because you hear God speak doesn't mean you're a prophet, right? What it means is that you're a sheep. 
Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So you get a word, praise God. That you're a child of God. We should hear the voice of the Lord. Sometimes when people start getting sensitive and God does start speaking to them, they get clear on it. They think that they're in some kind of weird class of people and elevated. It means that you are a sheep. We should all know the voice, the voice of God. So we don't want to get weird on that end. Some people start, well, you know, I'm just more of a prophetic person. Easy does it. Not, not so fast. You have the Holy Spirit. That's what. Okay. I just need need a couple of people. You can do stuff that the Holy Spirit leads you to do without announcing that the Holy Spirit led you to do it. When God speaks to you, you know, there's there's sometimes, sometimes where it's appropriate to say, hey, the Lord told me to do this, or the Lord... But you don't always have to announce and preface everything you do that the Holy Spirit told me to do this, the Lord told me to do that. You know, Jesus said every single thing that he did, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it, right? But he didn't then announce, the Father told me to spit in the mud, the Father told me to put the mud on his eyes, the Father told me to break the bread. He he wasn't doing that all the time, right? So if the Lord speaks to you, that's wonderful. Just just do what he told you to do or just say what he told you to say. You don't always have to preface it with the the, the Holy Spirit told me, the Holy Spirit told me. And that's that's where people start to trivialize the voice of God and and, uh, attach it to everything. And it becomes, uh, we start getting into weirdness. You know, uh, again, God God leaves certain things up to your decision. There's certain things that that are up to you. And then he'll speak if necessary, but if not, you can just, we always want to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We want to stay in fellowship, but that doesn't mean every single thing we need a word from God on, right? He gave you a brain. He gave you understanding. We want to stay in fellowship with him. But, uh, you know, I didn't seek the voice of God for whether I should wear blue socks or black socks this morning. I wasn't pacing in my closet. God, I've got to hear from you. I need a word. Which socks, Father? Which socks, right? That's a decision. That's about the level he trusts me with. That's a decision. <laughs> that he felt I could make on my own. Now, having said that, we want to be open because I've heard stories of people getting ready, getting ready, you know, putting their clothes on in the morning and God did speak to them and say, no, wear that outfit. And they, they were open to it. They were sensitive. And they end up sitting on a plane next to someone that's wearing the exact same outfit and that ended up being grounds for a conversation that they ended up leading that person to the Lord. So, so we want to be open to it. They were always attentive. Our ear is inclined. We're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So if the Lord would say, nope, the blue socks today, yeah, okay. But I don't, I don't need a word. And that's where people start claiming a word from God on everything. The Holy Spirit told me to do this. The Holy Spirit told me that. that that's where we trivialize the voice of God. Holy Spirit told me to cut my sandwich in triangles and not just right down the middle. The Holy Spirit told me to, I, I mean, just all, really. I mean, you, you know people that, that are like that. It starts, it starts to become like, okay, don't trivialize, don't trivialize the voice, the voice of God. People, you feel like you need a, a, a clear word from God on every single thing. You, you drive yourself crazy. And when you claim a word from God, and everything, you, you drive the people around you crazy. God is interested in every aspect of our lives. We, we can follow his leading. There's constant fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You, you understand what, what I'm saying. We just don't want to, 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 to get into to nonsense on the other side. Did I lose you? We're still okay. All right, let, let me give you one last, one, one last kind of, as we close this series, one, one last thing to watch for with the voice of God. Turn your Bibles to, to John chapter 16. 
John chapter 16. This is Jesus preparing his disciples. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's telling them how he's going to send the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 5. It says, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So we'll, we'll read the next couple of verses. But Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, I'm going away and you guys are sad, but you really shouldn't be sad. You should actually be excited because it's to your advantage. They're going to receive a greater advantage by him leaving. Now, do you think walking with Jesus in person was, was advantageous, that there was an advantage to that? Of course there was. Walking with Jesus, they're hearing his teaching. He's telling them, no, we're going to leave this town. It's time for us to go there. Nope, it's not time for us to do that yet. They knew the voice of the Lord. They had his leading and guiding. They had his provision. They had his instruction. What an incredible advantage to walk with Jesus. But he's saying, as great as this is, there is something that's even more advantageous, a greater advantage as you live life. You can live life from a place of advantage. And then he starts talking about how the Holy Spirit is going to come. Verse 8, and when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Then he starts to break it down. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. When we learn to hear the voice of God, it's important to know what kind of voice to listen to. What's the tone of that voice? What's it sound like? What kind of things can I expect to hear? What things should I filter out and say, that's not God? What kind of things should I watch for to say, no, that, that is, that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's telling us what kinds of things, what, what the voice of the Holy Spirit will sound like in our lives. And the mistake that a lot of people make, it's been a mistake in my life. Maybe some of us that have been raised in church that we're more susceptible to this, been around religion a lot, that we can sometimes look for the voice of the Holy Spirit with an expectancy that it's gonna sound like condemnation. That when I hear God speak, it's probably gonna be something about how I disappointed him. It's probably what he wants to tell me. He probably wants to tell me how I let him down. He probably wants to tell me how I messed things up. He probably wants to tell me how, how I blew it, how I didn't do good enough. He probably wants to remind me that I don't measure up, that I'm not good enough, that he wishes I was more like that other guy, that the other person is more effective than me. And we can start to expect that that's what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like, that that is what we're, we're trying to tune into. And the enemy can take advantage of that to burden us and weigh us down and condemn us and drive us lower and lower because we'll hear those voices and think, man, that's God telling me. I disappointed him again. That's God telling me. I wishes I was more like that guy. Well, more like that lady. You call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a godly mom. Look at yourself. You're nothing like fill in the blank. And we think that that's, that's God speaking to us. But here it's telling us how, how God speaks. He convicts, he convicts of sin. He convicts of sin. And sometimes we take that and run with it. And that's the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He points out every flaw, points out every shortcoming. That's what religious people did. That's what Jesus was fighting against. People that were lit, they're just looking to find faults. 
It says that, it says that he convicts of sin. And then when it breaks us down, it says of sin because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit does convict of sin. It's like in 2 Samuel chapter 12, when David had fallen into sin with Bathsheba. And a prophet came and began to tell David a story about, so there's this guy with a bunch of sheep, he's got lots of sheep, and then there's this other guy, he's just got one little lamb, and it's like the family pet, it's like a member of the family. And then this guy with a lot of sheep, he has, he has a visitor come, and he wants to feed the visitor a meal. Instead of killing one of his own sheep, he goes and he takes the lamb of that other guy, the guy that loved that lamb, he takes it and he kills it and he feeds it to the guest. And David, David gets like irate about it. That, that's not right. That man ought to pay. They ought to kill that guy. He's fired up. And then the prophet says, King David, you're, you're that man. You're that man. It, it, that's conviction. But it wasn't conviction to bring shame. It wasn't conviction for the point of destroying King David. It was conviction for the point of restoring King David. So when we feel conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's it's not just to rub your nose and how awful you are. It's for the point of restoration, to restore you, to draw, not to push you away, to draw you close. That's, that's what God wants. But it says he convicts, convicts of sin because they do not believe in me. So that, that's one ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then he says of righteousness. The Holy Spirit does not just point out flaws. He also points out that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, that that's the voice of the Holy Spirit to convince you, to build you up, to remind you that because of what Jesus has done, you're no longer like you used to be, that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. We talked about coming to the Lord with confidence. It's important that you allow the Holy Spirit to be effective in his ministry to convince you that you are righteous, to get it in your heart, to get it through your mind that you aren't like you used to be because you will live your life in line with how you believe yourself to be. That the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you are convinced that you're just a filthy sinner, you're just going to mess up and disappoint God over and over again, if that's how you see yourself, that's the way that you'll live. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to build a confidence in you that through Jesus, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you are salt and light. If you'll believe what he's ministering to you and learn how to dismiss the voice of the enemy and tune into the voice of God, that he's an encourager, he's a builder. He wants to remind you, you're a son of God. You're anointed, you're talented, you're gifted, you're special, you're loved. His banner over you is love. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit, that I can dismiss that shameful condemnation that wants to drive me further from the Lord and makes me feel like garbage and tune into that voice that lifts me up and I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that I'm pleasing to the Lord, that he loves me, that I'm the apple of his eye, that that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. He convinces me that I am righteous, convicts you that you are uh, righteous man of God. You are free from those old shackles of sin that used to hold you bound. It's important how you see yourself. Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5, you used to be darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as light. It was important they knew their light so then that they would live in line with that identity. The Holy Spirit seeks to, to convince you that you are righteous. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Listen to this. 
Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who, who brings a charge against God's elect? Who is it? Is it, it? God's the one that justifies. He's looking to lift you up so that you know that's not the voice of God. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And he goes on to talk about how nothing can separate you from the love of God. As we're learning to know the voice of God, the voice of God is the voice that is for you, not against you. The voice of God is the God who justifies you, not condemns you. Who is he who condemns? If it's condemning, it's not the voice of God. God wants to lift you up. God wants to build you up, to encourage you, to remind you that you're loved, to convince you that you are righteous in him. You are anointed. You're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. Amen? Amen. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.